0: May I speak in the name of God, whose Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, we continue in the season of Epiphany, where we continue on our reflections on the manifestation or revelation of Jesus Christ. It is indeed a season that we are invited to open our eyes, our hearts, and to see Jesus for who he really is. And throughout every week, every Sunday, we are invited through a story in the Bible for us to be able to see how Christ was revealed. On Epiphany Sunday, we saw the wise men who came all the way traveling from a very long distance to come and see the promised King. At the baptism of Jesus, we read this voice that comes up from heaven Declaring that this is my son whom I am well pleased. At the calling of his first disciples, Philips makes that declaration when he is speaking to his friend Nathaniel, "We have found him whom Moses, in the law and the prophets, wrote about: Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathaniel, after his encounter with Jesus went ahead to proclaim, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Series of revelations of who Jesus is. And today we continue in that theme, Jesus being revealed. Well, and today it's quite a fun one. It's about a wedding. Jesus attending a wedding. Weddings, of course, are very fun, um, unless you are the one who is organising them sometimes, but they are really, really fun things to go to. Uh, I do remember just after the pandemic, I think it was 2022, I did attend a record of 15 weddings, because of course all weddings had been pushed back, and it felt like a season of celebration going out there to be able to celebrate with people as they come together, as we celebrate the love of people, as we celebrate families coming together. And of course, one of the things that is quite important about weddings is the logistics. And I I do know this very well. Um, You will be surprised to know that at at my wedding, um, we had more than 2,000 guests. And it was, it was absolutely amazing. But also in terms of the logistics, you can imagine the nightmare that it might have been. But it was such a lovely occasion of coming together. And Jesus Christ goes to this wedding. Of course, there are quite a lot of questions as to how Jesus ended up at this place. Because, of course, as you are thinking about a wedding, the one thing that you have to think quite carefully about is the venue. We know the venue is Cana of Galilee. But how did Jesus end up in this place? There is a tradition that does suggest that Nathaniel, him who Jesus just met potentially just a few days ago, this was his hometown. This is where Nathaniel came from. And it might have been that it is through Nathanael that Jesus got the invitation. At this particular time, Jesus was not walking alone. He had his disciples. So Jesus and his disciples had got an invitation to this wedding. There are other traditions that suggest that indeed, Mary knew the couple, Mary the mother of Jesus, and potentially Mary knew the family as well. So it is through that that Jesus got the invitation. But if you were just to step back a little and take it as if it was through Nathaniel that Jesus got this invitation, then we see something incredible happening here. Jesus coming to this wedding and performing his first miracle, this great thing that he did at this wedding. But why is that quite significant? If we just Sit back and look back at last week's reading. Philip inviting Nathanael to come and see, to come and meet Jesus, to come and meet the one whom Moses and the prophets wrote about. We see that it is out of this invitation by Philip that this couple in Cana of Galilee get a miracle at their wedding. We don't know what would have happened. Maybe the logistics would have been much better at the wedding and the wine would not have run out. But we do see that connection. Philip invites Nathaniel. Nathaniel invites Jesus to this place. And then a miracle is born at this place. I wonder what our actions of inviting people to come and see, to come and witness Jesus Christ, what impact those invitation might have. Our actions of inviting people to see Jesus, to interact with Jesus, may have lasting and compounding effects, not only just to them like it had on Nathaniel, but also to those who are around them, like this couple who received a miracle simply because Philip invited Nathanael to come and see. But the story does carry on, and um, Mary came and makes Jesus aware that, you know what, there is no wine. People have drunk all the wine. It is finished. It's gone. And Jesus responds in a way that we read in the Scriptures, and it is really shocking Woman, what do we have to do with all this? You know, we are just guests anyway. We've been invited. They knew we were coming, weren't they? We were on the invite list. They knew the number of guests were coming, probably. But something incredible happens. Mary does not respond back to Jesus. She does not argue with her. She does not even say to her, how dare you speak to your mother like that? Or probably look at him and say, oh, so now because you're walking with a gang of men, so you think now you can be able to talk to your mother like that. She does not respond to him like that. Or maybe she did and John just decided not to record it. We do not know. But as it is, the scriptures that we have today, Mary doesn't seem even to respond to Jesus at all. He just turns to the servants and says to them, Do what he tells you. Quite interesting. And of course, we do not know as to why Mary said these words. We do not have much detail about um, Jesus Christ growing up. Probably there was something that had happened home before. And this was Mary being confident, saying this, knowing that indeed this child is special. This is Jesus Christ, and with him anything is possible. And of course, the servants did as they were told. They were told, indeed, there were those six jars, fill them with water. Of course, again, John does not tell us whether the servants continued on to argue. Come on, Jesus, it's wine that we need, not water. It's wine, as your mother said, wine, not water. But the servants went ahead and did just as Jesus had asked them to do. And I would want to suggest that it is out of this obedience that this miracle was possible. It is out of this obedience that Jesus' intervention became manifest. And of course, Jesus had asked them to do something quite crazy. Something out there, something that is quite different from what it is that they required. But is this not the nature of God in a way? Think of Moses, for instance, leading the children of Israel out of bondage from Egypt. And then they arrive at this place. The sea is right in front of them. And behind them, the armies of the Egyptians are marching towards them. And of course, they are terrified, they are scared. But what does God tell Moses to do? Does he tell Moses to do something that potentially most of us would have thought to do? Come on, everybody, let's get ready. When they come, they are not taking us. We have to hold the ground. We are not going back. No. God tells Moses, hold up your arms. Of course, this might mean surrender, holding up your arms. It might have seemed to the people that Moses is just surrendering. But God asked Moses to do something extraordinary, something different, something that seemed quite crazy. Hold up your arms. The sea right in front of you, your enemies charging behind you. And out of this obedience, as he held his hands up, the sea did part, and God made a way out of the sea. Think again of Jesus visiting his friends, Martha and Mary. His friend Lazarus had been dead for four days. Jesus Christ comes, and of course everyone is mourning, everyone is crying. What does Jesus tell them? Roll over the stone. It's just like, uh, Jesus, sorry, but Lazarus did die. And um, it's been a while. Um, It's quite hot around here. So, yes, it might not be a pleasant smell around here. So, please. But what does Jesus say? Roll over the stone. Something very crazy. Something extraordinary. Something out there. And in obedience, they roll the stone. And we do know that Jesus called Lazarus out of the dead and Lazarus came back to life. I don't know what God might be telling you today. I don't know what it is that Christ might be asking you to do today. It might be seeming irrelevant to whatever it is or wherever it is that you are in life today. It might be crazy. You might be arguing at this particular time, God, this has never been done. What will people make of me if I do this? They need wine and here I am busy filling large jars with water. These people need to be delivered and here I am lifting up my arms. Lazarus has been dead and here we are rolling the stone. Might seem crazy. But it is out of this obedience that the intervention of Christ, the intervention of God, is made manifest in our lives. The first miracle of Jesus, his first intervention, was born out of this place of obedience. And out of this, a couple, a family, was saved from great shame. Shame that they had put together a wedding without being able to provide everything necessary. But again, of course, we are looking at this passage in light of epiphany. It is not just a story for us to, we can't pick up all those themes. But what does it really mean to us today in this season of epiphany? Those words that Jesus used to his mother tell us something quite important about Jesus Christ, his revelation and his manifestation. The phrase that he uses, my hour has not yet come. Of course, this is a phrase that John continually uses in his gospel to signifying that time of the death of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And in a way, it seems as Jesus, in this very first public engagement that we do see him in, points towards his purpose, the reason as to why he came, to be able to offer himself so that all people and all things may be reconciled back to God. That he may be able to deliver us from shame, just like the couple and the family. The shame of sin and death. And he points forward to his hanging on the cross, taking upon all shame and all the curse, so that all people may be delivered. At the very first instance of him being able to do a miracle, he points to his purpose. It is a moment of epiphany, a moment of him revealing himself that here I am and this is my purpose. This is who I am. And of course the conclusion of the gospel reading today does tell us to this. That Jesus did this, the first of his sign, in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory. All this was not just a cool party trick that Jesus pulled. It was him revealing his purpose, revealing his glory, revealing who he was. Being able to show people that I have come, that I may take that shame away. I do find it quite interesting because, of course, um, as we read the Bible, of course, there is the verses that we have today in the gospel reading for us to be able to read. But if you look at verse number 12 of John chapter 2, it's a very, very interesting verse. It does say that after this, after this great miracle, Jesus, his mother, his brother, and the disciples left. We're not told whether he was able to sit around to have a glass of wine or something, but after this miracle, he just left. He's just done what he was there to do. And potentially, just as it happened when he resurrected, he just left his disciples and ascended up into heaven. It is quite incredible what Jesus came to do. It is quite incredible how he was very focused. And it is for that reason that even as he began his public ministry, he was very deliberate to point people towards his purpose and his destiny. And of course, next week as we will be reflecting on the final Sunday in Epiphany, There are some words that are really used as we pray, that now we turn our focus from the crib to the cross and Jesus making that relationship, that there is a great relationship between that crib and that cross. And that is a moment of epiphany. Jesus revealing why he's here. So in conclusion, Think about Philip's invitation to Nathaniel. Think about how that brought change and helped a young couple and their family. Think about how your invitation to someone to see Christ, to interact with Christ, may bring change. Think about the servants and the words that Mary used. Whatever it is that he tells you to do, do it. Think about what crazy, out-of-the-box things that God might be asking you to do. Think about how in that obedience, his intervention may be made manifest. Think about how Jesus, even at his very first public engagement, pointed people to the reason and the purpose as to why he came. To take away our shame. Amen.